Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Mental, spiritual, physical, even emotional health. What? What are we talking about? Health, but perhaps we mislabel them. Perhaps we misapply them. That's the conversation that's continuing this hour. Phil Herndon is with us. Phil is the clinical director at River Treats Counseling Center in the uh, greater Nashville area, and they've been doing great work here. Uh, Phil's been in this space for well over 30 years, and so appreciate you coming in and helping us have a conversation that the church doesn't always have very well. <laughs> and so want to uh, you know acknowledge the fact that you know mental illness is a very real thing, and we need to do a better job talking about <laughs> that. And uh, maybe a, a proper application of the gospel and counseling and medication, all those things, and, and how they may work together. So if you've got questions or comments about that this morning, certainly welcome to call or text 800-555-7898. That's 800-555-7898. If you uh, are just joining us, I know certain markets uh, around the country would just be uh, joining us for the first time, we've kind of defined you know, mental health is your mind and brain working well, properly, and mm-hmm. as it should, and, and mental illness when it's not. And, uh, Phil, that has led to people beginning to ask some, some good questions mm-hmm. here this morning. So if you're up for it, you ready to tackle a question or two? Yeah, let's do that. All right. We've got a question coming in this morning uh, from a, a listener, uh, Kim, who's saying, hey, I appreciate you guys are having this conversation. My husband suffers from depression and anxiety. He's tried different methods. So here's the first question. How can I get in touch with godly help? Mm -hmm. So there's number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, this is hard for spouses. So, you know, it's one of the most devastating things she said that she's gone through. What encouragement might you have for spouses? Yeah, I'm so glad Kim asked that question because it really, when a spouse or child uh, is depressed or anxious or both, as as her husband is, um, man, it it really does spread. When someone you love is in a at least compromised or maybe even for some people de- debilitating, really impaired place in depression and or anxiety, it it can't help but bleed over into a husband or wife or parent or mm-hmm. or child. So I'm so, Kim, I'm so glad you you extended that question uh, for you. Um, as to the where's to get good godly help, uh, let me give you a, a general principle first. It, we tend, well, I, t- I have tended to read Scripture kind of one-dimensionally, and I, and I don't mean wild hermeneutics here when I say further applications by any means, but we, just for simply uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, we know that specifically Jesus is addressing legalism and the burden that legalism places on people. But if you go one step further, what would it be like in terms of mental health and emotional health to have that kind of burden on you? Hmm. So we can take the immediate context of, yes, the burden itself was legalism and the exacting standards, but what was the effect of the legalism? And so I often have not gone into those spaces myself, doing it every day and going, you know, part of being burdened and heavy laden can be depression and anxiety. And so as a general principle to Kim's question in particular, like go and locate someone somewhere, certainly, and this is not an advertisement, but our our place exists to, to walk people into whether it's a spouse like you, Kim, or your husband, to walk people into this place 
frankly, using what, what Steve and I started with earlier this morning about the, the place of, of the um, emotional world inside of a person, inside of that part of the brain called the limbic system where trauma and feelings are held, go to a place where the, the gentle and lowly Jesus, in terms of healing, I know he's far more than that, but he says himself here, he's gentle and lowly, go to a place that will usher the both of you into this place to where in his gentleness and lowliness, people who are depressed and anxious and the spouses of those people in this case can receive that healing um, through this emotional connection with themselves and with God and with that therapist, that counselor, that pastor. Mm-hmm. So that's a really poignant passage, not just to go, okay, now, Kim and all everybody go do this, but to get yourself in into rooms with people who practice that, who practice, let me help you talk through, process these feelings, the, the depression being that impaired, caring, mm-hmm. my care, my ability to care is impaired, and anxiety, my, my fear, though a legitimate feeling, is, is gotten all twisted in its anxiety. My body is doing fear for me. So when you can walk into with your body going crazy with anxiety and your heart depressed inside of you, your caring is depressed, someone who can present to you the gentle, lowly Jesus, not as an excuse for all of that, but as as a safe space that's used often these days to be able to talk through what is the generator internally that's leading to these impaired forms of, of anger and caring and, and fear. When looking for someone who can help us do that and, and go to those places, um, are there certain... Uh, I guess degrees that might be useful to look for, certain types of uh, counseling practices that would be useful to look for. You know, I often hear people talk about biblical counseling, but also making sure they have certain degrees mm-hmm. attached to their name uh, because, you know, sometimes we, we need help beyond just opening up what the script, uh, p- uh, pages of Scripture may mm-hmm. say and how do we take that and apply that in good mental health practice. So what are those additional things that we might be looking for to make sure that we're getting a counselor who is not only knows God's word, but has good counseling training Mm -hmm. as well. That's a really important question. The credentials themselves are, can be uh, not, I guess, deceiving you. Person with credentials, if they're not doing what you described, if they're not taking this word and applying it humanly and relationally and accurately uh, to life, to, to mental health, as we call it, could be trouble. So my mentor, uh, my main, I got two main people in my life, Dr. Joy McInvale in Fort Worth and, and Chip Dodd here in town that we worked together for almost two decades. Uh, both of them were fond of saying that what the counselor, pastor, therapist, whomever, what they pour out on other people is going to be what is inside. Mm-hmm. And so taking that metaphor of a vessel, like the, the counselor, ther- therapist, pastor is a vessel I'm going to pour things out with you and 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 on you um, to to call somewhere that perhaps advertises themselves as being people who from a biblical worldview or a biblical counselor and ask very direct questions. That's one thing in speaking of mental health, one thing that unhealthy families don't do, unhealthy families don't speak plainly about what is really going on. Hmm. Very famous, you know, uh, like in addiction, people will say, well, he's tired, he's irritable, he's in a mood, oh no, he's doing his thing, and use euphemisms. So taking that principle of uh, real solid mental health is speaking plainly about what is obvious. So to call a place, our place or wherever, and ask really plain questions. 
I'm suffering from a lot of depression, and I need someone who can and will apply the gospel and relationship and skill to what I'm dealing with. Can you do that? Do you Mm -hmm. do that? And they say, well, I sure do. Say, well, tell me how you do it. Yeah. So just to really be plain spoken, it's such an important issue to know before you walk in and trust your life and your story with someone to ask those really. I'm I'm honored when people ask me those questions. Yeah. Well, I, I love the fact that you're saying, no, ask those questions, and a good counselor is not going to be intimidated by For those sure. questions either. Phil Herndon with us. He is clinical director at River Tree, and we're linking you to River Tree through our Facebook page, Don Steve in the Morning, if you want to uh, find out more information about them. Also, um, if we're going to continue with your questions. If you have questions or comments this morning, certainly welcome to share those with us. You can call or text 800-555-7898. Uh, Sabrina, we're going to get to your question. It actually has to do with spiritual warfare and uh, demonic influence in this battle as well. So that's coming up, as well as uh, more conversation with Phil Herndon. It's on Moody Radio. Putting a different spin on things, it's Steve and Dawn in the morning. We really want to hear from you. Keep those texts coming in, 800-555-7898. You know, with Don not here, we can get away with saying that. Steve and Don in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully she's not listening online or, you know, I may have to uh, pay for that later. But we are glad that you are with us as we're talking with Phil Herndon, clinical director at River Tree Counseling Center in the uh, greater Nashville area. As we talk about mental health, certainly uh, welcome you to the conversation. Number of uh, texts coming in this morning at 800-555-7898. Uh, Phil, being in this space for well over 30 years now, I'm sure that you have had people ask questions of uh, a very spiritual nature, like, you know, this depression that I'm facing right now, I I think that might be demonic. In fact, one of our listeners texting in saying they had a friend Sunday night say that depression is a demonic spirit on a person. But her question is, is that right? Do (laughs) do demons have the power and the authority to do that? Well, um, there are short answers and long answers. We'll go medium. Okay. <laughs> in this one. Uh, the answer is yes, they do. Um, the answer is also uh, I can't, don't believe that every instance of depression is directly demonic. Here's what I mean by that. We know that everything ultimately is truth or lies. We know everything is, either comes from God. If it doesn't come from God, it's evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in that regard, for sure, I'm I'm pretty sure that I have in in these 31 and a half years probably sat in the presence of that evil before with people whose symptomology was depression or rage or things like that. So, Mm -hmm. yes, um, I I will say also, I guess, in addition to that, rather than to know what the origin is, is to assume that that the origin is for the degradation of that human that's suffering with it. And so we we know that that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We know those things. And so we can very confidently be in relationship with people who are depressed if we don't know is it directly demonic or not. But we know we know that depression is debilitating. We know that depression keeps people sometimes literally in bed and keeps them out of out of life. And yeah. so we know in that regard it is it is evil in origin, and God uses depression all the time. Uh, and one of the th- things, you know, Elijah was profoundly depressed mm-hmm. uh, in First Kings 19, the greatest victory you know, in the world, and he was profoundly depressed. And God rested his body, fed his body, and eventually revealed himself to Elijah with the gentle whisper, 
and then hooked him up with Elisha. Like, go find Elisha and walk forward. And so not every sense, even in Scripture, are, there are depressed people shown as being that being demonically inspired or, or inculcated into the person. Yeah. You know, you, you bring up Elijah and how God met his physical needs as well mm-hmm. as his spiritual needs there. How often do you find that that is uh, an area that is neglected? Like <laughs> you're, you're not eating, you're not sleeping, you're not taking care of your body. Those are things that could contribute mm-hmm. to battling back against these things. How, how important is it to holistically look at both, yes, the, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical? Yes, so so important. You know, a lot, a lot of things come down in some ways, Steve, to, to being needing a chemical conversation. In other words, mm-hmm. people have sleep disturbance when they're depressed because cortisol levels are very high chemically, and it's hard to sleep when your cortisol levels are very high. And so... Yes, to practice those things, and to it, it sounds so simple and practical, but practical things like get get that blue light out of your face before you go to bed, mm-hmm. computers and, and phones and the like, and practice what physicians call sleep hygiene. I have a dear friend who's a physician. He's really, he believes that sleep deprivation, for whatever reason, is probably at the root of a, an awful lot of what we would call mental illness mm-hmm. or mental lack of mental health. Mm-hmm. And so sleeping, feeding your body well, um, moving your body. Uh, another friend of mine uh, who's a physician says, you know, movement is medicine. That's a common phrase. But we are made to move. We don't have time to get into it today, but there's a modality of trauma work called EMDR, eye movement mm-hmm. desensitization reconstruction, reprocessing. Um, and and natural EMDR is a thing called walking. <laughs> so yeah. if we're moving both sides of our body and what scientists call forward locomotion, that will literally settle down that part of our brain that is so, so people often take a walk to quote unquote, try to forget something. Mm-hmm. And a super simple thing to address body, mind, and soul is to, as I'm taking that walk, go ahead and let what's bothering you come up. And as you're walking, be thinking about that and praying about that and crying out about that as you move forward, and your body will literally help you heal. A guy named David called that being fearfully, wonderfully made in Psalm 139. Yeah. Good stuff. Phil Herndon with us, uh, clinical director at River Tree. And again, if you've got questions, you're certainly welcome to call or text those in 800-555-7898. We're going to be talking about PTSD coming up in just a few moments here on Moody Radio. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. On YouTube today, Craig Island's video drops where he talks about his book by grace alone. Click the bell to subscribe at youtube.com forward slash at Dawn and Steve to be reminded each time a new video drops. We are talking with Phil Herndon. Phil is the clinical director at River Tree. They're in the uh, Nashville area. And as we talk about mental health and mental illness this morning, talking about you know how we think through that well, how we think through that biblically, how we may apply the gospel to that, how we look at that holistically. And uh, one of the things, Phil, that I'm sure that you have to deal with from time to time is PTSD. <laughs> um, Chris texting in from Virginia this morning saying, that many psychologists are recommending medication for this trauma and not recommending Christ. Um, So for those dealing with PTSD, is medication recommended? Is it not? Are you able to handle that just through counseling itself? What what are your thoughts on that? 
You know, as a general principle, Steve, I think recommending Christ to someone's always a really good idea. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start there. Um, you know, I'm a, I want to. I hope I can at least demystify a myth. And there's a myth. I'll explain what I mean by this. People can say, you know, you you can't change the two myths. You can't change the past. And talking about it doesn't do any good. It's just rehashing. Let me let me put some perspective mm-hmm. on that. So back to back to this guy named David who said we're fearfully wonderfully made. Well, part of that is as science has advanced and guys a lot smarter than than I am can look at the brain. We have a part of our brain called the limbic system I mentioned earlier, and the fact that we have a phrase called PTSD, it's post traumatic stress disorder. It me I've told people for years it needs to be present traumatic stress disorder, because when a person who has PTSD is experiencing uh, anxiety or startle or, or trauma around that, it's not past, it's present. Mm-hmm. And so that past lives in that right-hand side of our brains called that limbic system. So in other words, when someone, if, if you had, if you were talking to someone who had been attacked by helicopters in Desert Storm, for instance, and you and I walked out in the parking lot with this person, and a Vanderbilt lifelike helicopter came over. He jumped into the bushes. We wouldn't think he was crazy. We would know he has PTSD. Yeah. Well, in his brain, that's not happening in 1991. That's happening now. Sure. And, and so <clears throat> the limbic brain doesn't have a clock or a calendar. It just does experience. And so the past can be changed because the brain can be changed. The trauma lives in the brain, in the right brain, as God has made us in the heart and the brain. And so that gentle and lowly Jesus and the Jesus who is the great physician and sitting with someone, as we talked about last segment, who can lead you into that territory with him, connect feelings and experiences with that, that brain changes. And guess what else changes? The past. And they also found out that the left brain is where we have language, and so as we have language, we pull that from the other side of our brains called the left brain. And so when we talk about something, guess what happens? Our, our brain comes back together, so to speak. Mm-hmm. We're using language to describe our trauma. And that organ we talked about earlier called the amygdala, that yeah. settles down. And so talking about it literally heals. Mm-hmm. And so PTSD, of course, as you said, you know, really, really well in the very first this morning at six, Steve, medication's not necessarily bad, but as a first option, when we know that people are walking around with trauma of all kinds stuck in this part of the brain that does experience and not data, if we can access that part of the brain, how do we do that? Through the emotional world, through story, through being safe with someone who's doing that story with you, that brain settles down and and since it lives here, I'm pointing to my head, yeah. as it lives here in the right brain, when that person that you sit across from will address that part of your story well and redemptively, and the gentle and lowly Jesus in Matthew 11 and other places walks through that, as you started this morning with Psalm 23, walks in that with you, that brain literally heals and the brain changes, therefore so does the past. Mm-hmm. So let's just bust that myth this morning about it doesn't, you can change the past because God's made your brain to do that. Uh, I, I love that. And I've got like a hundred different questions I want to ask based off just read that right there. But unfortunately, uh, we're going to have to wait and we'll come back and uh, dive back into this in just a moment. Thanks for being with us. Why not take Dawn and Steve with you wherever you go? Download the Moody Radio app. 
Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the Morning. Man, that app is free. You're going to find it at your favorite app store. Simply look for Moody Radio. And there may be part of this morning's conversation that you missed and you want to go back and hear that again. That is a great way to do that. Also at our website, mymoodyradio.org. Phil Herndon has been with us, clinical director at River Tree, And we've got just a few more, more, a few more minutes together, uh, Phil. So I'm going to throw... A big one at you in the last time that we have together. We're going to do that now, huh? Yeah, okay. We're going to do that right now. We could probably spend an entire two hours just talking about this. So super high level, probably flyover. But uh, sometimes we, we walk through these uh, pains in life and we don't always comprehend or understand exactly why we react the way that we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, so how do you, here's, here's the gist of the question. How do we sit in the tension of trusting what we can't comprehend? Mm-hmm. Do we just have to, in a sense, compartmentalize for a little while and set in that tension until God reveals more to us? Um, next question, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that really is a question of, of that entails so much, Steve, of um, life on earth. You know, the the 12-step fellowships call what that question uh, uh, is addressing, living life on life's terms. And uh, we often, um, if you would imagine uh, a river, and we're made to be in the river together in life. And there's debris, <laughs> there's all kinds of stuff in it, and it's also beautiful, you know, things. Mm-hmm. And, and so we will often be tempted to, to jump out of the water because it's just too much. And we'll jump off to the bank of, of anxiety, as we've talked about before, or the yep. bank of depression. Just make this stop. And anxiety is I'm going to run along the shoreline and get firewood stacked up and blueberries, anything I can find to survive on. I'm going to be so busy. I'm not going to hear you call to me. Even if you if you are calling me, Phil, get back in the river with me. Let, let's do this thing together. I'm, I can't hear you because I'm so anxious. I'm, I'm surviving. Mm-hmm. If I'm in depression, I'm walking as far away from that river as I can get. And if I can hear your voice calling to me, I'm going to move further into the woods away from you. And so... Life on life's terms of what the what the text question is 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 how in the world do I stay in this river knowing this stuff happens and it keeps coming up and so part of the answer is what the what the texture is describing is compartmentalization do I put this in a box and we we worked many years with uh, physicians many of them were were surgeons and would say to them please box up things that are going on and concentrate on your patient <laughs> and they would sure. they would all laugh and go I'll do that period uh, a lot of them will but so there is a place for putting something aside to attend to things that are going on and a guy named Dan Allender a lot of people are probably familiar with his work Dan Allender says that new trauma unearths old trauma so the problem with boxes are that the sides blow out and so whatever i put in the box when i have something that happens in my present life that unearths what's in that box that thing flies open and so if we operate simply in compartmentalization we're gonna have that box the size of that box blown out day after day after day after day and we'll end up living on the bank usually of anxiety or we're so tired of attempting to sit on the box and keep it closed we'll get into depression and go way off into the woods Mm -hmm. and so i guess it's a problem practical speaking uh steve like when something comes up if i'm able to just pay attention we were talking off the air about some work I had been doing with someone, and there's something to be said for just paying attention to what is coming up. So often our attempts to ignore it 
or explain it away or minimize it or rationalize it or compartmentalize it leads to more obsession about it on the backside. Yeah. And we end up kind of shooting ourselves in the foot. And so just the sim- simplicity of just noticing that something's happening rather than fighting it so hard, it doesn't mean I haven't resolved it. It means it keeps coming up and there's a reason. It's reminding me of something. Mm-hmm. And so the simple act of saying, okay, I'm remembering my divorce. I'm remembering a big failure. I'm remembering something that's very painful to me. And again, as practical as this sounds, even while doing that while walking, it's just to say, you know what, this is happening. I'm noticing it. I'm not going to work real hard. We'll drive ourselves crazy trying to resolve something. Yeah. If I just notice it and hand it and say, I need you to take it. I don't know what it looks like or what it'll even feel like, but just going through the activity, the mo- not just the motions, but going through the exercise of saying this is happening and I notice that it's happening. I'm not going to run from it. I'm just going to hand it over and I may be terrible at it, but just going through that yeah. in our sanctification process, as we call it, is healing. Hmm. So good. Unfortunately, the clock in the wall says our time is coming to an end, but Phil Herndon has been with us. Uh, he is clinical director at River Tree. It's, uh, River Tree is in the greater Nashville area. And uh, if you happen to be listening there, you can uh, connect with them. If you're ha- listening elsewhere, I uh, encourage you to go at least look at their website and look at the kind of stuff that they're dealing with so you know as you might be looking for help the kind of place that you might be looking for. River Tree, uh, we've got you linked through our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the morning. So appreciate you helping us have this conversation as we talk about mental illness, mental health, and what it looks like to engage in that as a follower of Christ.